Welcome everyone to the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm J.R. Judy, joined by Wade Skaggs. And hey Wade, what'd you do with your hush money? I bought the XFL. Okay, what'd you do with the rest of your money? Well, with the other two and a half million dollars, I uh, just bought some nice cars, bought my mama house. You know, the normal stuff. What a nice guy. Yeah. We're glad you're with us in your audio form or video form. If you're new to the podcast, every week Wade and I are going through the Monday Night War between WWF and WCW. We started way back in 1995, and we are charging towards In Your House number 4 and Halloween Havoc. And Wade, this is a special week. We also get some ECW Hardcore TV. Keyword is some. Thanks, Peacock. Mm -hmm. Let's fill everybody on the scoreboard here. We are five head-to-head matchups in. Wade, you have Nitro. Five nothing. It is a clean sweep for Nitro. I've got That's Nitro right. three. I've got Nitro three to two. Uh, clearly, somebody's a WCW homer. Oh, I love the WCW brother. Will it be six and zero? Oh? Tune in to find out. Just stay with us. We'll find out. But wait, there's only one place to go. Do we go to TNT for Nitro or the USA Network for Raw first? What do you want to start with? Well, my friend, let's go purely for Pepe. Let's go to WCW, dude. All right, so we are going to be on the TNT Network, October the 16th, 1995. We're from the Albany Civic Center in Albany, Georgia. Last week, WW Nitro drew a 2.6 rating. They were tied with Raw last week. This week, down to a 2.2 rating, Wade. Are you concerned about your show? I'm concerned about the well-being, the welfare of Pepe. Let's tune in and see how he's doing. Well, we go right to the commentary desk, and there is Pepe dressed like an alien because you're about to see wrestling you've never seen on this planet. That's right. What, is, he's got what the, does that even mean? He's got the uh, antennas here. He's a little spaceman. I love it. I love where you, Pepe. Do, where does Mongo get all these costumes? I don't know, man, but I, I gotta know. So the big news going into Nitro. This happened on WCW Pro on Saturday. First of all, so Nitro is the top-tier show. Saturday mm-hmm. night is number two. And then you've got WCW Worldwide mm-hmm. and Main Event that are kind of like CD. And then you have Pro. It's like the fifth most important show for yeah, WCW. That's on, that's on Saturday mornings, right? It's like a Saturday morning show, but it's not. But, yeah. Worldwide's, but Worldwide's also a Saturday morning show. So it's like the secondary Saturday morning yeah. show. I never watched any of those, so I just have no idea, bro. I watched a ton of Worldwide. Cause I love like the spinning ring they had in, at Disney MGM. Mm, yeah. uh, but anyway, on WCW Pro, we find out that Sting has finally agreed to team up with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Bobby Heenan says it's the first time since 1990 that the two have been on the same side of the ring. So tonight, in our main event, it is going to happen. Ric Flair has a tag team partner. It's Flair and Sting against Arn Anderson and Flying Brian. Two, two things to note here. Um, Sting told Ric Flair he's going to give him the benefit of the doubt and if, but if Flair stabs him in the back, he's going to leave him for dead. Yeah. He also did not give him a high five on WCW Pro. Mm. Flair wants that high five. Yeah, he does. Will he get the high five? We'll have to find out. And will Johnny B. Bad get revenge? It's our opening match on Nitro. The WCW World Television title on the line. Diamond Dallas Page with a diamond doll. Kimberly defends against Johnny B. Bad. On his way to the ring, Diamond Dallas Page attacks the mascot. What a dick we get a replay of where this match came from and it is the best clip ever this match Mm -hmm. stems from four flat tires yep uh here's something that kind of confused me on the way to the ring it's announced that regardless of this outcome 
Johnny B. Bat and DDP are going to face each other at Halloween Havoc. So why are we doing this match now? I don't know, man. And apparently, uh, apparently they don't know either. Yeah, they have no idea. Uh, but Johnny B. Bad's throwing frisbees, and he's ready to shoot the bad blaster off. Diamond Dallas Page attacks him with the World Television title on the back of the head. Diamond Doll, very disgusted with Diamond yeah. Dallas Page. Oh, she's upset. DDP steals the bad blaster, counts his own pin, shoots the confetti, and then DDP is disqualified before the match even begins. Yeah. Bro, what's going on here, man? Like, that listen. Is... Go ahead. You're right. This is the dumbest thing ever. Listen, I, lo- I love DDP. Love Johnny B. Bad. This, I'm looking forward to this match, bro. On paper, I'm like, bro, the TV title match, man. I'm looking forward to this. This is the first match on the show, and here it comes. DDP knocks out Johnny, and the match doesn't even begin, dude. Like, the, it, the match doesn't even happen. Like, it's the first match on the card. The first thing that happens, and you're going to have it be a, a non-existent match? Like, what's going on here? Like, I can see it happening at, like, like halfway through the show, but for this to be the first match in the show and it end this way, it's garbage. Like, it's I unpredictable. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> that's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, I was very upset about this. I really wanted to see this match. This is, like, I, I really thought that Vince McMahon booked this. You well, the good I mean? news like, is... You can tell 1995 Wade to pay his money for Halloween Havoc on pay-per-view. They could have announced that after the match. That's what they should have done. <laughs> this is not the first time, though, that they announce crap on commentary for Halloween Havoc before there's any, there's any reason to do it. Yeah. Like, they do it later in the show, too. Mm-hmm. Commentary's a mess this week. Yeah. Uh, we go to commercial break. We come back. We get an actual match. And I mean an actual match. Yes, sir. Chris Benoit against Eddie Guerrero. This is Chris Benoit's in-ring debut in WCW. Uh, Benoit starts the match off with a beautiful Hurricane Rana, which I don't remember him doing a lot of. Eddie answers back with one. Eddie goes for a 619 fake, gets stuck in the rope, and he says, you know what, watch this. And here's a giant crossbody. Um, I like the way that this matchup kind of builds. They are going 1 million percent in this Mm -hmm. match. Benoit... Back suplexes Eddie Guerrero over the top rope and to the floor. Like, what? Uh, They're fighting on the floor. Benoit moves out of the way. Eddie punches the post. And then Benoit starts to attack that arm. And he's doing stuff I haven't seen. Like, he's doing... A lot of his offense is including a hammerlock. Like, hammerlock slams and all that. But he throws in a hammerlock northern light suplex. I have Mm. never seen that before. He's an inventive trap, my friend. Let me tell you. Eddie Guerrero comes back with a springboard tornado DDT. Uh, Eddie Guerrero with a springboard hurricane. Rana takes over control on Benoit. And then he hits one of the highest angled back suplexes, followed with a brain buster. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, they are going to kill each other. Oh, yeah. At one point in the match, as, as Guerrero is setting up for the frog splash, Eric Bischoff says the C in WCW stands for commitment. No, it doesn't. You are the president. You should know these things. Uh, Benoit counters the frog splash with a, with a gets his knees up and then drills Eddie Guerrero with a powerbomb. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like how at the end of the match, Eddie's trying to fight back. He punches Benoit with the hurt arm, sells it all, all the way around. Benoit gets the dragon suplex for a win. Yeah. What a freaking match. It was, it was a great match, man. Let me tell you, like, based on what we saw last week, or at least I think it was last week, maybe it was the week before, 
with uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko with the split screen with Hulk Hogan. Match lasted three or four minutes, and we only saw half of it because of freaking Hulk Hogan. Like, this match, I don't know how long it was, but it was a good portion of the show, and I was very happy. I was thrilled to show these guys put on a clinic that they did. They showed off their their talent and everything. It was so great. Um, yeah, Crispin Wall wins with a, a dragon suplex. They didn't even call it, like, they didn't even know what a dragon suplex was, apparently. They're like, what is this move? I've never seen this before. Like, did people never see a dragon suplex before? He just called it a full Nelson suplex, I think. Um, but yeah, it was a great match. Well, that's, that's how ahead of time that Benoit and Malenko and Guerrero and Mysterio and all them are. Yep. Like, they came from New Japan and, and at least, has Eddie and Dean been in New Japan already? Uh, Eddie had at least as, um, Tiger Mask. Yeah, yeah, so. I don't yeah. know, but I, Dean would have had to been, I, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So that's a Fujinami move, so I don't know if uh, maybe he got it from Fujinami. I don't know, but it was good. Well, after the match, we go to the commentary booth. Something else interesting that comes up. Eric Bischoff says WCW is considering starting a cruiserweight division. Yeah. And he says it's going to center around uh, Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, the, the young high flyers. And something I thought was interesting on commentary was Mongo was just like, yeah, I mean, these cruiserweight matches, they're going to be great, which is which is a true statement. But Bobby Heenan comes in and goes, yeah, but imagine like Benoit against a heavyweight, how great that would be. And I think that's the problem you're, we're going to end up getting to down the line is WCW yep. for a long time pigeonholes the cruiserweights. Yep. Uh, and, and WWE did it when they brought back the cruiserweight division. They pigeonholed the cruiserweights because mm-hmm. like, for a while, I, at least. I, I know we're not talking about current stuff. Like, look at Pac on AEW. Mm-hmm. Like, he was pigeonholed as yep. cruiserweight champion Neville. Yep. You stay mm-hmm. there. But, I mean, he's a main event talent guy. Absolutely. I'm calling so, it right now. He'll be the, the All-Atlantic champion. That, I, I could see that. I, I'd be okay with that. Uh, speaking of championships, we go to the ring. Mean Gene Oakland is about to interview the number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight title. But first, gotta plug the hotline. 1-900-909-9900. Make that telephone call right now. He says two things come out. Don't, don't, do, don't you laugh at me. That hotline <laughs> is great. I'm going to see if Mean Gene will answer the phone. Anyway. That would be something. That would be very something. So he mentions two things on the hotline. Allegedly, one of the top officials... At the WWE, is history over the weekend. But that's Bill Watts. Yeah, uh, Bill Watts left the company after some discussions slash arguments with the WWF. Rumored, one of their top superstars also getting into a fight in the parking lot with a fan and coming out of the short end of the stick. What he's referring to, we'll get to it a little bit later, is the Shawn Michaels incident in Syracuse. For now, until we get to Raw, I want you to just remember that a top WWF star got in a fight with a fan and came out on the losing end. Mm-hmm. Just just keep that in mind for later. These, this, these stories are, are interesting. Uh, right. anyway, and me- what I was going to say was, oh, sorry, sorry once again, my friend. What I was going to say is this is not the last time we'll be hearing about Bill Watts here in this podcast. So stay tuned, my friends. If you had Bill Watts on your bingo card, surprisingly, you get to scratch it off twice, which is yep. really weird. Uh, <laughs> mean Gene calls out the Giant and the Taskmaster. It's an okay promo. Um, I yeah. think I think that, I, I don't know, like, it, it furthers the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Sullivan Kevin Sullivan really says he's told people for months Hulk Hogan is evil, 
and Hogan's the one that created him. And he says that, you know, Hogan gave up his colors after losing his mustache. Now I have them. Mm-hmm. And what uh, the line I liked the most, he said, after Halloween Havoc, these young Hulkamaniacs will become the children of the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. The giant says he's going to try and push Hulk Hogan off the roof. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me and Gene if you want to see that hand that's going to destroy Hulkamania. Gene doesn't even get a chance to answer. Just hand and face. Here you go. Um, it was an okay promo. Yeah. I, I'm trying to not put the cart in front of the horse here, but if you if we if we skip ahead to Bash of the Beach '96 when Hogan turns heel, Kevin Sullivan is one thousand percent right. Mm. Because for a year he has been crusading that Hulk Hogan is evil and that he has evil inside of him. Mm-hmm. And, and like we said last week, we're really testing the waters of a Hulk Hogan heel turn Yeah, with the dark side of the Hulkster. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the Dungeon of Doom before we go to commercial break? Uh, I don't really have a ton of thoughts about the Dungeon of Doom in general. I, I got to say, though, this feud is phenomenal, man, honestly. Like, even with Hulk Hogan being stupid... And saying, hey, even though you broke my neck twice, here's a title match. Uh, Either way, this feud is being built up so incredibly well. I'm imagining myself as a five-year-old kid watching this. And I'm just dreaming of Hulk beating up the Giant. And I'm thinking, I believe in Hulk. Hulk's going to win. Just imagining myself as a a young Hulkamaniac. Um, This is so huge. And... I just am honestly, I'm very much looking forward to uh, Halloween Havoc. I haven't seen the match um, or the, uh, you know, the uh, monster truck sumo match, but I am absolutely psyched. I think it's interesting how WCW and the WWF are building the pay-per-views. They both have an hour of main TV time. And I think Nitro is really driving home their top feuds for the most part better than the top feuds and nothing else, you know? They are, but they're also they're also driving them home and progressing them every week. Like the, w, the WWF's not doing that, um, and we'll and we'll see that in a little bit later. Uh, we got a commercial break. We find out next Saturday night. We're not going to cover it, but man, I kind of want to because it's Disco Inferno, Alex Wright to the rematch. Uh, we're also we're also going to hear from Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage on Saturday night, and the debut of Hugh Morris. Oh God. <laughs> I must have I must have missed that. Oh my god. Hugh Morris on his way to WCW. But don't worry, Wade. We'll go from that debacle to the Disco Inferno doing some dancing. Here comes the Disco Inferno. And then it gets cut off by Ming. He gets cut off. You're acting like this is not his fault. I mean, he gets Listen. cut off by Ming. He wasn't even scheduled. The The commentary table said he is not scheduled to be out right now. He Ming is trying, and Hacksaw are going to fight. Disco's trying to help them promote Saturday night, saying, I'm going to be on Saturday night at a huge main event. Watch me dance here and watch me dance on TBS on Saturday night at 6.05. I guess so, dude. Anyway, Disco makes the smart decision and runs away from Ming. Oh, yeah. Holy God. Even though Ming doesn't do anything. He just walks <laughs> he passes right by him. But Disco's like, I know, man, if he turns and looks at me, I'm going to crap myself. <laughs> Ming did not care. Uh, so it's Ming against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. What an ovation for Hacksaw Jim yeah. Duggan. 
Uh, Ming attacks Duggan before the bell. Remember, Ming is going to face Lex Luger at Halloween Havoc. Savage is scheduled to face Kamala. We know it turns into the Zodiac. Uh, if both win the matches, they will face each other at Halloween Havoc. Ming goes for a springboard crossbody off the middle rope. Like, what? Uh, Duggan fights back, some punches in the clothesline. He slams Ming, tries to go for the three-point stance, eats a super kick. Ming locks in the Tongan death grip, and that was a match. Bruh. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a very short match. I, I mean, I wasn't really expecting a lot out of this match. But Jim, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, he doesn't tap. Like he's yeah, put in the submission, the and it I was it looked exactly like the screw job. Like even last week, when or two weeks ago, when Bri uh, Brian Pillman jumped on Ric Flair while Rick was giving Arn Anderson the fatal uh, the figure four, like you could see uh, Arn Anderson like saying yes, yes, I quit to the referee, even though he didn't tap. Nothing of the sort happened here. Like Jim is in the in the uh, submission, he's in pain. You can tell. All of a sudden, I hear a bell ring. I'm like, I was real, I was real confused. I'm like, is this a screw job? What's happening? Because he made no, you know, intimation at all that he was tapping. But in reality, did you want that match to go longer? No. <laughs> Thank you, referee. Uh, we got a commercial break. We come back to Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart addressing the Hulkamanioids. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. We watched the whole world stand still last Monday night, Manioids, as Hulk Hogan, dressed in black, made everybody shake in fear on Nitro, brother. Now everybody knows the evil within Hulk Hogan is real. Now everybody knows the things Kevin Sullivan has told you about me are for real, brother. It's time to take care of all the family business. Don Colleone, Hulk Hogan, brother is here to protect the training, the prayers, and the vitamins with one fell swoop, brother. He doesn't realize I can stop an elephant in its tracks. He doesn't realize I can make promoters drop to their knees and start crying because Hulkamania is more powerful than their whole stinking promotion. Number one, big stinky giant. You're treading on my turf, brother. You want to burn all the trees in the forest, man. You want to eliminate the new little Hulkamaniacs that believe in the training, the prayers, and the vitamins, man. The stage is set for the ultimate showdown, Jimmy Hart. You know what I've got planned for these two rats. Hulkster, I'm worried, man. Because you see what you told me that you were going to do to Kevin Sullivan and the giant at Halloween Havoc. I'm worried, Hulkster. First, it's machine against machine. But then, big, stinky, worthy, filthy, <laughs> giant, it's you and me, brother, eye to eye, fighting for the destiny of wrestling, brother, fighting for the truth that Hulkamania is the strongest force in the universe. Once I put the giant down, I'm going to beat him and bury him in the Motor City right next to his father. So what you going to do, big, stinky giant and Kevin Sullivan? When the shadow, the darkness, the evil of Hulkamania gouges you. I'm like, just turn heel, please. Because, yeah. like, and, yeah. he's he's in this weird holding pattern where he's, like, dark side Hulk Hogan, mm -hmm. but he keeps resorting back to I'm super babyface Hulk Hogan mm -hmm. because he can't get out of that promo mode.
Right. He, he's like, I'm, I'm embracing the evil and the darkness of Folkomania, but I'm doing it to protect the prayers and the vitamins and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, the funniest thing about this is that Jimmy Hart right there, he, like he's shaking in his boots, literally. Like he's he, And he gets on the mic for a second. He's like, I'm afraid of what Hulk Hogan is going to do. You know what I mean? So that was really funny. Um, not, well, maybe not funny per se, but I was like, wow, he's really selling this. It was, it's another one of those promos where it doesn't make sense, but Hogan's just so captivating that you you can't not watch the promo. Oh, yeah. Uh, we go to our main event, tag team action. The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, and Flying Brian Pillman against Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Sting. Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman come out with the four fingers up. Ric Flair makes his way to the ring solo, and the commentators question where Sting's at. The bell sounds... And Ric Flair's a man of his word. He starts this match off as a handicap match. Mm -hmm. I love that Ric Flair chops Brian Pillman so hard that it knocks over Randy Anderson. What a chop. I, I wrote that down on my notes. That was so great, dude. He's like, oh, like you thought he would have got chopped. It was so funny. Well, clearly Ric Flair has the strongest chop in the world. Oh, of uh, During the match, Ric Flair gets trapped in the corner. He starts fighting off Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. He sends Flying Brian off the apron, crashing into the barricade, while the commentators are talking about how Sting doesn't trust Ric Flair. And the crowd is just all over. They're all for Sting. We want Sting chants yep. throughout the match. Flair blocks a knee drop, goes for the figure four on arm. They almost recreate the finish from two weeks ago. He avoids Flying Brian and puts Brian in the figure four. That opens up for the double team. But Flair keeps fighting back. He is beating the daylights out of two guys, and oh, he's yeah. super dominant. Mm -hmm. uh, Arn whips Flair into the rope. Brian Pillman kicks him in the head. Spine buster. And here comes Sting. It's Sting! Yes, and sir. It took what the an ovation. Yeah, oh, yeah. It took the double-A spine buster for Sting to finally come out. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, man. Rick, he did honestly, he did incredible in this match. He's... He's strutting around the whole match and everything. That was great. So, but yeah, when Sting came out, absolutely incredible pop for sure. Sting makes the tag and he starts unloading on Pillman and Anderson, or Pillman and Anderson, and then he delivers two stinger splashes to each guy, sends Arn over the top rope, and then he sends Flying Brian crashing onto the top rope, rough landing for Brian Pillman. The two Flair and Sting come face to face, kind of like a mutual respect thing. All right, I got you. We're on the same page. And out of nowhere, the referee counts out Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman, so Flair and Sting get a count-out win. Yeah. Bro, like, I, I, like <laughs> you can tell, like, you can see the ref counting in the ring, but it wasn't as big as a production as it is, so it kind of passed under the radar for me. So then they went to, they, they do a close-up on Sting and, and Rick, and all of a sudden I hear the bell ring. I'm like, what, what's going on? It was a count-out. Bro, What? <laughs> Like, and there's no, actually, there was no bell, now that I remember. Now that I think about it, there was no bell. The referee is trying to raise uh, somebody's hand and say, hey, he won. But I'm confused because no bell has rung yet. Well, and commentary is not helping out the case either. Oh, yeah. So, again, a, a, mess, of a, a mess of a show. The match itself was fun. Yeah, it was. Like, up until the last 10 seconds when the referee counted him out, like, that was a fun tag match. I had, the crowd was into it. Yep. We go to commercial break. Mean Gene's in the ring with Ric Flair and Sting, and it's announced. So, officially it's announced. It's hinted at during the matchup that Sting and Ric Flair are going to face Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman in two weeks of Halloween Havoc. So, Halloween Havoc's getting a lot of good 
a lot of strong matches on that pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sting says there wasn't a soul who thought he could trust Ric Flair, so he sat in the back and he watched, and he noticed Flair's got a lot of heart and guts. Mm-hmm. He says, I know now Rick's walking the straight and narrow, and Rick finally gets the high five. Yeah, buddy. Uh, and then we kind of just go back to the commentary desk. Bobby Heenan's really annoyed that Flair's teaming with Sting. Uh, He's annoyed by everything. He really is, and that's kind of that's kind of just kind of the end of Nitro. We kind of just kind of somber out. We get a preview for next week on Nitro. Hulk Hogan's going to be in the arena next week, and we've got two really strong tag matches next yes, week. Yes, sir. So we're going to have Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko against us, Wonder Kid Alex Wright and Eddie Guerrero, and then Sting and the total package Lex Luger against Harlem Heat next yeah, week on Nitro. Oh, I'm psyched. Any closing comments on Nitro as we fade out after a, kind of a kind of a flat ending? Yeah, you're right. Uh, not really. I, I'm looking forward to next to next week's Nitro. I really, really am for three things: the two matches you just said, and what maybe most important, what kind of costume Pepe will be wearing. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, very much looking forward to Nitro Whoa. next week. We're getting close to Halloween, so you know he's going to have some real intense yeah, costumes coming. Yeah, buddy. All right, well, that is WCW Monday Nitro on October the 16th. I think we've got one more show to watch, though. Wait, hit that remote. We're going to flip the channel. We are going to the USA Network. It is October the 16th, 1995, Monday Night Raw. We are still in the Civic Auditorium in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are still in front of the same crowd. And, mm-hmm. man, you can tell... Five shows deep, this crowd is tired. Yeah. Because they are quiet. So last week in the ratings, Raw drew a 2.6 rating, tying with Nitro. This week, Raw, 2.6 rating. Wow. So Raw has the lead, 3-1-2 in the ratings war. Mm. So, so far, WSW trying to edge up, but they just can't overpass them yet. Yeah. The, the show begins with some pre-tape interviews inside the steel cage of Isaac Yankum, Bret Hart, and Jerry Lawler. I took a piece out of all three of them. Um, these are very dentist-related. Oh, man, oh, yeah. they're bad. <laughs> Isaac Yankum's... I'm going to apply the biggest set of braces in the history of the World Wrestling Federation to your team. Referring to the steel cage, Bret Hart says... Isaac Yankum, DDS... Jerry Lawler, you are both respectively the tartar and the abscess of the World Wrestling Federation. Bret Hart, tonight, Isaac Yankum is going to cure your gingivitis and overbite. When he gets through with you, you're going to look like your trench mouth mother. (laughs) And I know his victory is under lock and key. (laughs) So... The last four words, under lock and key, are a recurring theme throughout the show. Yes, they are. But everything else, so much dentistry puns. Oh, yeah. A young Britt Baker is saying, this seems like a good idea. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Was she even alive then? I don't even know. I I don't know. Freaking young people who are better than us. We're old. (laughs) Yeah. Darn kids and their internet. (laughs) <laughs> we get we get the raw intro and then we come back to the arena. Triple H is spraying perfume on Vince and Jerry Lawler as they announced Gorilla Monsoon has fined Mabel and Dean Douglas both seventy five hundred dollars yesterday on the Action Zone for their attack last week. My question is why didn't Yoko and Owen and the Bulldog and Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette also get fined and Mo? That's a good question because 
they talk about later in the in the show how much damage they did to the Undertaker, which is more damage than was done to Shawn Michaels. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I understand why Mabel got the fine, but like, what is happening? There's so yeah, many fines that weren't given out. Uh, we also hear that Gorilla Monsoon is going to grace us with his presence and announce the replacement for the Undertaker this Sunday at In Your House. That's it, yeah. Undertaker is out of action, so Mabel will face a different opponent. And we kick it to the ring. Triple H is against Doink the Clown. That's Ray Apollo under the Doink the Clown costume, not Matt Bourne. Um, oh, really? It's the, yeah, it's the first time we've seen oh, okay. Doink in a while. And my first question is, where's Dink? Um, I was Good hoping question. for Dink. Uh, Doink the Clown starts the match off in a very strategic way, attacking the biggest part of his opponent's body. He goes right for the nose. And then Jerry Lawler makes a reference that Shawn Michaels was attacked outside of a nightclub in Syracuse, and Vince McMahon says, we'll talk about it later. So yeah. hinting hinting at the Shawn Michaels incident Oh, yeah, they do bit. that the whole show. Jerry really wants to talk about this the entire show. He is excited about Shawn Michaels yeah. getting attacked. He hates Shawn Michaels. <laughs> uh, it's announced that Triple H will be in action this Sunday at In Your House against Fatu. Triple H avoids a crossbody from Doink hits the pedigree, and that was a match. Yeah, it was. Uh, let me say something, Jimbo. Before the match, you kind of gla- uh, glanced over this. Uh, the funniest thing to me was when Triple H sprays the perfume over on Vince and Jerry. Uh, Vince says he has this disgusted look on his face. He's like, oh, it smells like raid. It smells like insecticide. You know, that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, this match was a stronger doink match than you would have thought. Growing up, I honestly, I don't really remember watching Doink live, like in the 90s when we were kids. I don't really remember watching any of his matches live. I've only seen stuff in retrospect on YouTube or Network or whatever. You just, I just can't take Doink seriously at all. But this match, like, he got a lot of good offense in. Uh, like, a lot more than I would have thought. And it seemed like he was, like, actually, uh, you know, a competitor in this match. Like, he was... Maybe the fans would have thought maybe he can win this at certain points, which is very surprising to me. So I, I'm sad that Matt Bourne was not in the Doink costume. I think Matt Bourne, as the heel Doink, was a better character than Babyface Doink, especially without Dink. I think Dink mm-hmm. was just hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Doink got a lot of offense in it, but the match just was kind of there. It was just the crowd again was tired, and the match was random, and nobody cared. Yeah. Um, we cut to the back to Wade's favorite tag team of Hakushi and Barry Horowitz. This is the Americanization of Hakushi. Barry Horowitz is trying to teach Hakushi baseball, Wade. Yep. Oh, man. Well, there's not really much to say. This is a very short segment. He's talking about, oh, this is America's pastime. you got to learn about this. And that was basically it. And he asked him who the greatest home run hitter is, Babe Ruth. Yeah. Um, then Hakushi yeah. says, no, it was Hank Aaron. Yeah. It's such a weird, weird promo. It just it didn't need to be there, but yeah. I can't wait for Well, I'm for glad it was, because otherwise, yeah, otherwise I would have had no idea what was going on with them, so I guess it was good it was there. I, I can't wait to see more Americanization of Hakushi. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't have any idea how like much success these guys are going to have, so I'm just waiting to see what happens. Akushi and Barry Horowitz for the Hall of Fame next year. 
we go to a, a different sort of tag team. It's the WWF Tag Team title on the line as the Soapy Wet Cowboys, the Smoking Guns, defend the title against the USWA Tag Team Champions, PG-13. PG-13, before the match, says the rodeo's over and they're going to lasso the Cowboys. Good puns. I'm so glad everybody's good at these in their promos. Oh, yeah. <sighs> uh, smoking Guns make their entrance. As Gorilla Monsoon makes the announcement, Wade, that yes, at, in your house, on pay-per-view, that the 500-pound Mabel will take on the 600-pound Yokozuna. Yeah, buddy. That's a lot of beef. Yeah, it is. So that, that is the new matchup on pay-per-view. Oh, Vince Mc- something. Vince McMahon has finally figured out who Wolfie D and J.C. Ice are. He yep. knew which one was which this time. Good for you, Vince. Uh, during the matchup, Billy Gunn <laughs> confuses PG-13 with a double drop-down. BG, uh, Wolfie and J.C. collide into each other. J.C. lands on his feet after a back body drop at one point, which is super impressive, and then gets beheaded with a clothesline. Bart presses J.C. onto Wolfie. The guns are dominant in this match. Oh, yeah. And, and you find out why they're so dominant, because during the match... They say the Smoking Guns are going to face Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid this Sunday at In Your House. It'll be a tag team title match if the Guns retain. And Vince McMahon says, yeah, Razor and the Kid are not happy that this title match is happening. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Like, yeah, they should yeah. be pissed. I wrote down Jerry Lawler again tries to bring up Shawn Michaels' assault as we go to commercial. Mm-hmm. Vince says no. Uh, towards the end of the matchup, Billy Gunn counters a dropkick, catapults Wolfie into J.C. Ice. Bart makes the tag and takes out both members of PG-13. Sidewinder from the Soapy Wet Cowboys, and they keep the tag team titles. So we get a title match Sunday. I'm uh, That match, we were both looking forward to this tag match until it oh, finally yeah. happened. Yeah, it was, uh, I had high hopes. It was just, it was only okay. It was an okay match. This was a, you don't go here, you don't get to look good kind of match. Yeah, true. It, um... Yeah, for sure. Uh, my the funniest thing that happened in this match, here comes Jerry Lawler with another classic line. Vince goes, "So why are these guys called PG thirteen? And Jerry the King Lawler says, "Because their moms still have to take them to the movies." Hilarious. So you're employing minors. Ugh. Got uncomfortable again. Okay. Keep them so, away from uh, Doc Hendricks. Yeah, oh, God. I was just <laughs> thinking that, too. Uh, uh, so, we... at the at the end of the match, when they get their double-team move, uh, one of the guys, I can't remember which one is which now, but one of the guys, the guy who was being pinned in the ring, and then the other guy was outside, he tries to get inside to break up the pin, and he he, he trips over the, over the bottom rope and just falls down in the ring. And Bart is standing there with his hands up in the air like, I didn't even have to stop you. You stopped yourself. <laughs> That was absolutely hilarious, dude. The sm- the Soapy Wet Cowboys, Smoking Guns, underrated tag team, and they only get better, the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, we go to commercial break. We come back. We find out next week on Raw, the WWF Women's Championship is on the line. Bertha Faye will defend against Alundra Blaze as a SummerSlam rematch. It's not even summer anymore. Not even close. It's about <laughs> dang time, bro. This is the first time we have seen the Women's Championship or heard oh it referenced. Oh, God. The, the the last reference to the women's division was in your house three on September the twenty fourth when Alundra modeled a t shirt. Don't even get me started about that t shirt again. <laughs> 
We're going to go back to one of the culprits of that T-shirt. We go to an interview from the weekend from the World Tour de Force with the British Bulldog and Jim Cornette. Uh, Jim Cornette says that this plan has been months in the making. Bulldog has left everyone who's held him back. He'll do whatever it takes to achieve his goal. And he's gone too far to turn back now, uh, referencing what he's doing to get the WWF title shot. And Doc Hendricks says, you know, Bulldog, some people say the only reason you beat Diesel was because Yokozuna leg dropped him, which Bulldog called a lack of respect. It was there. Like, it, yeah. wasn't, a, it wasn't a great promo. Yeah, true. So then we get a commercial break. We come back. Ahmed Johnson is talking about honor and his mom. And I, I, I don't even know what to say. That was, it was so <laughs> weird and so out of place. Uh, like, yeah. what, what, what even was, was yeah. that? I was thinking the same thing. It was very out of place. You know, it was very short. I'm like, okay, am I supposed to like this guy or not? I, I don't know, dude. And I had never... I don't even I don't remember seeing him to that point at all. So I don't know, man. I don't know what yeah. to think. Like the pro, he's the pro river powerhouse, and this is what we get. Like I appreciate my mom taking me to a show, mm-hmm. and that was it. I'm like, cool. this was like a mini like a mini Mr. T promo. I guess, and, and maybe that's what they were going for, but like it, it didn't click. Uh, is Mr. T's Hall of Fame speech still going on? I think it is. He's about to get tombstoned by Kane any moment now. <laughs> he has to be. Oh, because, yeah. like, man, I, I, yeah. We go to Dean Douglas against Joe Dorgan. Um, I I'm glad like, you said that because I had no idea who this guy was. I wrote know, it down. You know who that is. Who, who? That is Impact Wrestling's Johnny Swinger. Really? That is Impact Wrestling's Johnny Swinger. Uh, so it's Dean Douglas against Joe Dorgan. Uh, Vince McMahon. This match is really here. Just to talk about Shawn Michaels. Yep. Vince McMahon Dean is says, facing him, so it's a good timing, yeah. Vince McMahon says Shawn Michaels was pulled from a car in Syracuse and attacked in the parking lot by 10 thugs. Now, mind you, the WCW said he was attacked by one fan. Mm-hmm. So there's two different stories. Here's the real story. Um, it is October the 13th, 1995. There's a house show in Syracuse. Shawn Michaels is riding in the car with 123Kid and David Boy Smith. And Shawn Michaels, from reports, had been talking to a Marine's girlfriend. And the guy didn't like it. So Shawn got pulled from the car and beat up pretty badly by, depending on who you ask, between six and eight Marines. Um, and, like, Davey Boy Smith was riding in the back of the car. And he's a giant man. They're, like, in the two-seaters. And he's trying to climb out of the back. Sean gets the tar beat out of him. Um, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. Uh, I mean, he gets v- assaulted by these guys. Um, and, yeah, so Sean's left unconscious. He has to go to the hospital. And we're going to see what happens Sunday, but Shawn Michaels says he's going to be at In Your House. He calls into the match, and he says he looks terrible, but he's going to be there. So, Oh, yeah. Um, thoughts on the Shawn Michaels thing before we go back to the match? Uh, honestly, we don't even need to go back to the match because that was the only important thing. I you mean, know, Ding, he hit the fisherman suplex during the phone call. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't even paying attention to the match during the phone call, except the match ended during the phone call. Like, Sean is still talking. He's on the phone, and the match ended. I'm like, bro, you should at least have the phone call end before the match ends. 
you know? Yeah. So I'm like, bro, come on, man. Yeah, the match was just there because Dean is facing Sean at In Your House. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. There's not much to say. So we'll, we'll, we'll go a little deeper into the Shawn Michaels-Syracuse incident next week on the podcast when we get to In Your House. But Shawn Michaels attacked in Syracuse, and he's left in a bad way. And so this happened the, the, the you know eight days, nine days before the pay-per-view. So we'll see what kind of condition Shawn Michaels is going to be in. But, but Dean Douglas gets the win, building momentum. We cut to Doc Hendrick with a giant painting behind himself. <laughs> oh, man, that is terrifying. I'm going to have nightmares of the Doc Hendrick painting. Uh-huh. Uh, he's Me promoting. Too. A, I already have. He's from. He's promoting a two dudes with attitudes T-shirt. And guess what, Wade? If you buy the T-shirt, free classic WWF video. Great. <laughs> Take to be decided. Yeah. Uh, they they're bringing out the shark cage for the main event steel cage match. Vince McMahon explains again to the king that you know if you get involved, you're going in the cage. And Jerry Lawler says he's afraid of heights. He'll get nosebleeds. And we run down the card for In Your House. We'll run down it a little bit later in the podcast. Obviously, the big title matches, Diesel against the Bulldog and Shawn Michaels against Dean Douglas. But there's also a matchup who we really haven't got to talk about in the last couple of weeks. That's Goldust making his debut against Marty Jannetty. He says yes, Marty Jannetty is a, a pretty boy, and he's going to get a major makeover this Sunday, courtesy of Goldust. <sighs> And there's our thumbnail for the video. <laughs> no! Uh, we get a replay from the King of the Ring of Mabel pin the Undertaker. And then the, kind of the, the multiple attacks on the Undertaker by Mabel. Paul Bear cuts a promo. Just look what they've done to my Undertaker. They that's crushed good. his face. That's really good. Just for you guys listening, that's not a soundbite. That's JR. Soon you are good, he, my friend. He will return and crush the souls of Yokozuna and Mabel. Um, that was good. I don't Paul think I've ever heard you do that before. That was really good. Paul Bear's promos are really fun. Like I like Paul Bear promos. Oh yeah, um, no doubt. So we're kind of building towards the return of the Undertaker. Um, that'll be a story we'll kind of watch through the fall. Um, and when the Undertaker returns from his crushed orbital bone, we go to commercial break. We get first of all, how many times has he had a crushed orbital bone in his career? Good lord. At least twice, because it's Mabel, least. and then Rey Mysterio broke Rey it in Mysterio, 2010. Yeah. yeah, which is a really <laughs> weird combination, like Mabel yeah. and Rey Mysterio. Uh, next week on Raw, in addition to the WWF Women's Championship match, where we find out a 20-man battle royal, the winner will receive the next title shot for the Intercontinental Championship. Whoever walked out of In Your House, Dean Douglas or Shawn Michaels, as the Intercontinental Champion. So... Couple, couple of interesting matches to build up to. Uh, we haven't got to cover a battle royal yet, and we'll get a women's title match. So, yes, sir. And then it's time for the main event steel cage match: Bret the Hitman Hart against Isaac Yankum DDS. The only way to win this matchup is to escape the cage. They lock the pad door, the padlock on the door. Early in the matchup, Jerry Lawler is telling Isaac Yankum to, to stop a mud hole in him and walk it. And I'm like, wait, what? Stone Cold Jerry Lawler. Yep. Uh, both men try to climb the cage. Both men kind of stop each other in. This is a very short cage. It's like an, like an eight-foot cage, and yep. Isaac Yankum just looks like a giant in it. Yep. Uh, Bret Hart takes advantage 
and tries to get the door unlocked. And the referee cannot get the door unlocked. Yep. And then Jerry Lawler, like an evil villain, is laughing over at the table. He reveals from under the crown another master lock. Jerry Lawler has switched the master locks on the door. He is the key to victory, Wade. Let me tell you, bro, this match already is so freaking entertaining. Like, we just went over it really quick. I'm going to say, if you guys listening or watching this haven't seen this, go back and watch this match, because it is so freaking entertaining. You want to know why I love Jerry Lawler so much, and this is why. Uh, right before he, he unveiled the lock, he had the funniest looks on his face. Like, Vince was talking to him, and J- I just, I can't even make the faces. J- Jerry's like, oh, ooh. and he's so funny. The great line he had before was that while, I think it was uh, one of the times when uh, Isaac was beating up Brett, and he said, and I quote, I want Isaac to knock Brett's teeth out so he has to wear false teeth like his parents, Stu and Helen. And he says, I want the match to be called Adventures in Dentures. I'm like, dude, this is so great. And when he when he gets the lock out of under his crown, the looks on his face is I'm just bro, go back and watch this match if you haven't. It's so funny, so entertaining. The amount of times that we um, have knocked Jerry Lawler for talking over promos and segments in mm-hmm. a negative way, it's almost made up for with this match because he adds to it. Um, so Bret Hart tries to escape the cage over the top. J- after putting the sharpshooter on Isaac Yankum, Jerry Lawler leaves the commentary table, climbs up the cage, knocks Bret back into the cage. Gorilla Monsoon comes out, yes, and he's sir, trying to get he's, he's trying to get Jerry Lawler down. So Bret knocks Jerry off the cage, and they drag Lawler into the shark cage, and they raise him above the ring. Bret almost escapes as Jerry Lawler is yelling he's getting sick. Here is the best piece of this entire match. They put a microphone in the cage. So yep. you can hear Jerry Lawler. And this is the time when he's talking over a segment and it adds so much to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Isaac is trying to escape the cage. Brett pulls him back into the ring. They both take a hard landing. And all you hear is Jerry Lawler going, Oh, no, Queen! Jerry the King Lawler. I, I think Let me down, my nose. I can't he, he has a nose, Queen. Jerry the King Lawler. Because of the height of it. This. It's a simple nosebleed, Jerry Lawler. You're okay. So I remember as a kid, they had a, a DVD. It was called was it called Bloodbath, Best Steel Cages, uh, which would never sell in 2022. Um, it's like wrestling's bloodiest cage matches. This match is on here solely because of Jerry Lawler getting a nosebleed. But Jerry Lawler is telling I'm- the he's telling the story how he had a like, he had so many broken noses. He has a scab in his nose. And he can flick it, and it'll start to bleed. So he really? had that. He had oh, wow. that queued up. Like he had that spot ready. Wow, I had no for, idea about that. Yeah, it's such a it's such a good little touch. The match. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh, it absolutely is, dude. Oh my god. Uh, Brett tries to escape the cage. Isaac Yanker brings it back in, hits the DDS, and then he throws Bret Hart sternum first into the corner, and he motions for Jerry Lawler. Who throws the key from the shark cage into the ring to Isaac Yankum to try to escape through the master lock? Brett stops Isaac Yankum. He throws the key into the crowd. The ref relocks the door. 
Bret hits a bulldog, a flying elbow, and climbs over the top for the victory. Bret Hart wins the cage match. We go to commercial, they come back, and Vince is telling Jerry Lawler there's a problem with the cable. They have to leave him up there, and we'll see you Sunday, and it fades to black. Oh, my God. This is so hilarious. The whole time, because, uh, you know, he has a microphone, and, and he has an earpiece, so he can hear Vince, and Vince can hear him, and we can hear him on commentary. Uh, uh, so so Jerry says, get me down, McMahon, get me down, McMahon, and then, and then Vince says, no, leave him up there. And then he says, oh, sorry, Jerry, we're having problems with the cables. And King is freaking out. Vince is having fun. Bro, this match is, like, this is what wrestling should be. It's fun. This was the funnest match we've seen this week. Uh, Eddie and, and Chris was a great technical match, but this match was just so much fun. And Jerry Lawler is the absolute legend. He, not only does he add to this match, but he makes this match. If this match, if you take Jerry out of this match and it's just a cage match between these two, uh, then it might not have even been the main event on this Raw. Well, it probably would have, but who knows. Uh, but it wouldn't have been as great as it was. And uh, I, it's just fun. It's fun, man. Uh, one of the things that's funny about this also, just about about this being a cage match, early on in the match, uh, Brett and Isaac both are trying to climb over the, ma over the cage. And it's very clear that it's not a high cage, and it would have been easy for them to climb over. And then, you know, this isn't like a normal cage match, uh, like a modern cage match, where you just say to the ref, hey, open the door, and the ref opens the door. No, no, no. They got to unlock this huge padlock. It would have taken three times as long to open up the cage, to unlock the cage. You could have climbed over the cage five times. By the time the ref gets the dang cage unlocked, even if it were the real lock in the first place, you know. So I, I just don't know the. It's just one of those things, I guess. You know, you just got a suspension of disbelief. You just got to believe it. But this match is so much fun. I just, oh, I loved it so much. As I said, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. It's amazing. It was a very fun cage match. It was just a very weird final send-off and selling point for in your house because neither of them are on the pay-per-view Sunday. Yeah, good point. So, any final thoughts on Raw before we go to ECW? No, sir. All right, well, then we're going to go to ECW Hardcore TV. It is October the 17th, and we start we off. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um, we talk, we've talked about it a couple times, how young Wade and young Jarrah wouldn't be allowed to watch Monday Night Raw when Shawn Michaels is taking his pants off or the Soap Wet Cowboys are coming out. I don't know how to explain how we open up ECW to four- and five-year-old Jarrah and Wade. Nope, Because we start off with Buell McGillicuddy, who says the mail is pouring into her box. She says it's not the size of her segment, but how you use it. I'm and glad then you said that. And then we get a long, long video of yeah. Raven and Beulah and, and some Stevie. and Stevie and Tommy and some 70s born yeah. music in the background. Yeah. And it so what never you're is, ended. So what you're saying, it was, it was the greatest vignette in the history of wrestling. It's what you're saying. I don't know how to respond to any of this right now. It never <laughs> ended. Yeah, it was something Here, else, man. Here's what you have to do to save five minutes of a show. Beulah's pretty. 
Raven's the outcast. Richard is mm-hmm. the nerdy friend. They hate Tommy Dreamer. Did we say Beulah's pretty? Cool. But it went on forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was it was it was long. Yeah, it was. It's not how you not the size of the segment way, it's just how you use it. Thank God. We get the ECW TV intro. Joey Styles is hyping up the two out of three falls match. And we get the extreme encyclopedia. Okay, so like there was two graphics. There was one for Rey Mysterio and one for Psychosis. Um, they're, they're in Spanish. They're on the screen for a while. And there's no there's no talking over them. I, bro. <laughs> like, I'm so... I'm so confused by this. This is like the least ECW thing I've ever seen. Joey would... Joey says Joey says and I quote, "When it comes to extreme lucha libre, these two wrote the book." And then they show the literal book. It's a dictionary or encyclopedia in Spanish. You know, they give out the the phonetic spelling Rey Mysterio Jr. and blah 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 in Spanish. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. You know I don't speak Spanish. In English, please. Give me a break. At least, <laughs> at, at least translate it for me, Joey. At least say anything. Yeah. There's no word. There was just there was like there was essentially like elevator like elevator music playing in the background. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we cut to the ECW arena. The ring announcer is the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner. Before Joel Gertner teams up with the Dudleys, so that was a little fun tidbit to see so it's two out of three falls Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis fall number one is quick like Rey hits a big plancha Psychosis into the front row hits a huge dive into the guardrail quick hurricane Rana and that's the first fall yeah uh, honestly man like it was a great match overall I, I just really hate when the first fall is so early into the match well, and they did the same uh, not, thing. They did the same thing with Eddie and Dean. You know, when we covered yeah. that a couple of weeks ago. It's not like you can't make a good story out of it, but yeah. So this is Ray delivers a picture perfect Hurricane Rana, like one of the most beautiful ones I've ever seen. And so Joey Styles goes, "That right there is called a Hurricane Rana," you know, or something like that. It's space. I don't remember what movie said it was. He said it's, it's, like, it's a reverse victory roll. Right. That's right. And so and he says it's easier to say it in Spanish. Um, so it was beautiful. I wish it wouldn't have come so early in the match because basically he, like he won the fall with that Hurricane Rana. It looked beautiful, but in the modern era, last, you know, 10, 20 years, you will not see anybody winning a match with that move. Yeah. It's, it, we've talked about it before, how basic moves in somebody's arsenal in the early nineties have become their finishing moves and vice versa, how a very impactful yeah. move has become a transition move. Yep, and it's just wrestling evolving. Uh, mm-hmm. They they mentioned a lot in this match how uh, psychosis is the Rudo and uh, Rey Mysterio is the Technico. It's babyface yep. and heel, um, yep. just in Mexico. A heel uh, babyface. Yeah, I like how like I remember the thing that was like a cool little tidbit to know when I was younger. Yep. Like I kind of don't like that he keeps bringing it up on commentary. Now I'm like an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I don't need to know. Like oh, he's being a Rudo. Like all right, just he's. Being a jerk, like, let him be a jerk. Yeah. Uh, match, so fall number two starts. Rey Mysterio hits a diving Hurricane Rana off of the ropes, which sends Psychosis to the floor. He follows this up with a Hurricane Rana from the apron to the concrete, and the crowd explodes with a huge Rey Mysterio chant. 
Psychosis starts fighting back. He sends Raven Steer hard into the buckle and then goes stomach first from the shoulder breaker position. And this this second fall, Psychosis is really using his size advantage to slow down the pace and kind of get over his style of offense where he's still flying around and he's still doing unique moves, but it's a slower pace and he's got more power behind him. Yeah, Hits a huge falling power bomb, only gets a two count, sends him right into the guardrail, and then attacks Ray on the leg with a chair, which like I, I like that. Uh, Ray hits a beautiful cartwheel into a Hurricane Rana, follows up, goes for a springboard moonsault, Psychosis catches him midair, tombstone pile driver, and Psychosis ties it up two or yeah. one-to-one. That second fall was fun. It, it absolutely was, and that was a beautiful tombstone, man, let me tell you. Uh, what happened earlier on in this fall, uh, something that happened was uh, Psychosis puts Ray in a, in a sharpshooter, which I wasn't expecting to see at all, and he kind of does it differently. He kind of like rocks back and forth like he's, like he's wrenching his back backwards and stuff. So he has Ray in the sharpshooter for a little while, and then all of a sudden he just gets up. He just lets Ray out of it. I'm this like, isn't working, I quit. What are you talking? Like, what are you doing? Like, Ray's in a lot of pain. Why wouldn't you keep it on there? He's in the middle of the ring, basically. He's not going to get the rope. And Psychosis just stands up and lets him out. Uh, but, yeah, second fall was great. Tombst- that tombstone was great. He crossed his arms over his chest like the Undertaker to get the pin. Uh, great, great pin for sure. And then the third fall happens. And, oh, man, does the third fall happen. Yes, the, sir. The first offensive move of the third fall, Mysterious on the floor, Psychosis slides out and power bombs him through a table. Oh, yeah. Like, what a start. And then he takes Ray Mysterio and just chucks him into the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's take a wrestler home night. Yep. He hits an insane dive from the ring to the crowd on Ray Mysterio. Yep. And then he dives at Ray Mysterio in the ring to Psychosis. Ray moved, and Psychosis hits the steel post with his face. Ray hits a massive flip senton from the ring to the floor, and then he starts grabbing yeah. a chair, and he is throwing chairs at Psychosis, and here come the weapons. He wraps the chair around Psychosis' neck and just shoves him into the post twice. The second one especially mm-hmm. looked vicious. Oh, yeah. I like how in these Lucha Libre matches, they are implementing weapons, but they're not relying on them, so it adds to them, especially with like yep. other ECW matches we've seen already. The, they're using the weapons to where they mean something. Uh, Ray hits a top rope, West Coast pop, only gets a two count. He heads over Psychosis to the floor and follows up with an insane senton to the floor, like a triple, like a, like a triangle flip. Like, yeah. what? Psychosis puts Ray on a table and hits it with a chair, goes to the top rope, and hits a huge senton off the top, out of the ring, and through a table. Yeah. He hits another powerbomb, a chair shot, and then a twisting senton onto a chair, onto Mysterio, and Psychosis takes the third and decisive fall. Whew! Absolutely beautiful. Was that a, was that a Phoenix splash that he did? Kind of. Like yeah, it, was, yeah, uh, it wasn't yeah, a full-on feed. Was, he didn't go all the way around yeah. for the Phoenix splash. But it was, it was, right, it was, right, yeah, yeah, but it was great. It was great. Uh, the great thing, you're right, man, about the, the weapons and stuff. You're absolutely right. You know, Joey earlier on said, that these guys wrote the book on Extreme Lucha Libre. And if you want to know what Extreme Lucha Libre is, this is it right here. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. Great, great match with these guys. And, and the nice thing is, this isn't the end of this story, because soon they're going to bring they're gonna bring in Juventud Guerrero to add to this rivalry. 
So ECW, we talked about it when Benoit and Malenko and Guerrero left, how they kind of revamped their roster. Mm-hmm. And they go through and continue to just keep loading this roster up with new characters. And it's, it's just interesting to see the progression of guys. Um, and, and some of these guys, like Rey Mysterio, are still going today. It's, it's unbelievable. We yeah, go to commercial. It's unbelievable. Let, let me just say real quick. Rey Mysterio is a legend. If like if you're a younger fan or you weren't wrestling back then, if you've seen Rey recently, he's still absolutely great. But even as great as he is now, you go back and watch his stuff from the 90s, your mind will be absolutely blown. Like there's a reason he's a legend. There's a reason people call him the greatest luchador of all time. I think honestly he is. I would, and, I would agree. And so like it's absolutely incredible. The fans lo- like even though these guys have been in there for a very short time, the fans love both of these guys. There's a mysteri- a really big Mysterio chant at the end of the ra- at the end of the match. Even though Psychosis is the Rudo, uh, he gets big cheers. Uh, I- I'm just so happy seeing that. Like these guys, like these guys are basically unknown, and these guys are so spectacularly over already. It's great. We go to commercial break. We come back. Lance Wright talking about Bill Watts leaving the WWF. You can find out is. more on the ECW hotline. There it is. Like, why does everybody have a hotline? What is this? You got to make money somehow, bro. I guess uh, so. Ninety-nine cents a minute. <laughs> I don't need to know about Bill Watts leaving the WWF for a dollar. Let uh, me tell you something, man. With the stories we've heard about Bill Watts, maybe we should. Did he try <laughs> to kill, get somebody else whacked? I don't know. Good God. Joey Styles announces the outdoor fight between the gangsters and the public enemy was too dangerous for the city of Philadelphia. So ECW promoters have decided to rebook the show. Uh, it'll be a three-way dance for the World Tag Team titles. The gangsters will face the public enemy and the winner of the World Tag Team title matchup. And we cut two highlights of the World Tag Team title double referee two lumberjack match between the Pitbulls and Raven and Stevie Richards. So we've talked about it before, how ECW shows with highlights of matches are confusing. This one especially was really confusing. So Francine comes oh, out yeah. with the Pitbulls, and then it instantly cuts to Pitbull number one being put on a stretcher. He's got torn tendons, so he's already hurt. Yep. Raven's attacking Pitbull two. Sign guy Dudley enters the ring, gets caught by 911. Here comes Dudley Dudley, Chubby Dudley, and Bubba Ray Dudley to attack 911. 911 chokeslams Dudley, Chubby, Sign Guy, and Bubba in succession. Yep. And then Raven hits a crazy dive out of the ring. If if it's not like I'm going through this very fast, it's because they hit you like a fire hose with all this stuff. Oh yeah. Cactus Jack comes out, double arm DDTs, Pitbull number two on a chair while Todd Gordon is distracted. Bill Alfonso sees it and doesn't care. What was he gonna do? Disqualify him? They've been using tables and chairs, and the Dudleys were in here. Like what? What are we talking yeah. about? Todd Gordon makes the pinfall, and he counts it. So Richards and Raven are the ECW World Tag Team Champions again, and the episode ends. Like, it just, it's, that's it. Yep. There's no sign-off. There's no World Tag Team title three-way. Mm-hmm. If you look it up online, there's supposed to be a Cactus Jack and potentially a Tommy Dreamer promo. They're not there. So it just abruptly ends after getting hit with a fire hose. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to end. All of a sudden, I see in the corner of the screen, 
on Peacock, oh, next episode, next week, and it, you know, starts counting down to the next episode. I'm like, bro, no, don't go to the next episode, it's not over yet. Yep, it is over. 32 minutes was the like that episode instead of 43 or 45, so... Peacock owes us 13 minutes of ECW, or, or maybe, right. maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know if I want to see more of that at that point. That's good. Well, anytime Cactus Jack is good, but true. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, my, my brain thing, hurts. In the in the chaos of all this, we skipped over something, Jimbo. May, one of the biggest things to happen in this entire match, and we completely forgot to talk about it: the debut of Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we forgot quick, that segment. It was a quick mention. He was in there. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, very quick. You know, they they had the Dudley. This was early uh, in the match before their psychosis match. The Dudleys are backstage, and they uh, they introduced Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, so this is history right here. The the debut of Bubba Ray Dudley, October seventeenth, nineteen ninety five. And the Dudley clan will continue to grow. Um, it's that- wild how like we think of the Dudleys now, and you'll think of Bubba Ray and Devon, and and I guess Spike, but all the rest of the guys just are forgotten completely. I'm not going to lie. I had forgotten about Chubby Dudley and Dances with Dudley. Yeah. Um, Like, I knew Big Dick Dudley and Sign Guy Dudley and Dudley Mm -hmm. Dudley. But I, yeah, yeah, when when, when Chubby Dudley came out, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, Chubby Dudley's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, When did Devon come in? uh, Sometime in 96. Because Devon's there for a thing we'll cover at some point where ECW loses their pay-per-view. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it gets ugly. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll hit that when we get there. Right now, we have to focus, Wade, on the Monday Night War. Raw versus Nitro. Like we said, Wade has it 5-0 Nitro. I've got a 3-2 Nitro. Wade, does Raw get on the board, or is it 6-0 Nitro? That's a great question. The question, the, the, the million-dollar question this week. Uh, my favorite match, sorry, my favorite show of this week. Well, if we're talking about my favorite match, and it's probably Eddie versus Chris, although I do love the cage match, maybe the most entertaining. My favorite show? I know you're all waiting for this. Everything in the world hinges on this question. The answer to your spectacular question, James, is Monday Night Raw is my favorite show of the week. History has been made, everyone. It, it is a new day. Yes, it is. Wade Skaggs has gotten off the Nitro train. He is now a fan of Raw for once in the Monday Night War. Uh, really, I'm a fan of Jerry the King Lawler, because if he wasn't there, this <laughs> might not have happened. So, and I think I think that's an interesting point, because I am going Nitro, uh, and here's why. Yes, the DDP thing was terrible. Yeah. yeah, the Ming and Jim Duggan thing was terrible. Yeah. But I thought that the Chris Benoit Eddie Guerrero match was, was terrible. Well, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. The Benoit Guerrero match was the best match of the two shows. The two main events were weird. On Raw, I thought the ending of the cage match was phenomenal, and the ending of the tag match was terrible. Yeah. But I enjoyed the bulk of the tag match more than I did the bulk of the cage match. I enjoyed the Jerry Lawler stuff in the cage match, yeah. but I thought the cage match was slow and plodding, and I thought WCW, again, did a better job pushing their main stories throughout the show, mm-hmm. where the only the only push you get on the go-home episode of Raw for the world title match is a pre-tape Bulldog interview. Yeah. And Bulldog's not that good at promos. No. So I think, that's, I think that's a really good point. 
uh, you're absolutely right. And I didn't view it that way, and may maybe I should have. Uh, because, as we said before, Brett and Isaac aren't on the on the pay-per-view. Uh, you know, you have no Mabel. You have no uh, uh, Yoko. Yoko and so on. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to change my mind, but you are absolutely right. Yeah, if, if it were me in 95, unless I had already called my pay-per-view provider and ordered in your house, which that, that sentence just confused any young viewer. They have no idea oh, yeah. what that means. Um, if I hadn't called already, I might not have called. To be honest, I might not have called and ordered in your house for. Mm. I understand. Well, Wade, we have hit the end of another week, and now it is time to look forward. We're going to change the format of the podcast up a little bit. We're going to let these pay-per-views breathe a little bit. Yes, Next sir. week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast, In Your House 4. It's a pay-per-view exclusive episode. But because it's a pay-per-view exclusive, we're also going to cover the free-for-all. So a little bit of extra content in your house for next week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. And then in two weeks' time, we're back to head-to-head -to -head Nitro versus Raw. Let's run down some cards, boy. Let's see if we're excited. Let's, see, let's gauge the, the excitement level here. So in your house for on the free-for-all, we're going to see Bob Holly against Rad Radford. On the main pay-per-view, it'll be Hunter Hearst held with the undefeated Triple H, one-on-one -on -one against Fatu. World Tag Team title on the line, the Smoky Guns, the Soapy White Cowboys. Defend against Razor and the 1-2-3 Kid. Gold Dust against Marty Jannetty. King Mabel with Sir Mo against Yokozuna with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji. Shawn Michaels to defend the Intercontinental Championship against Dean Douglas. And the British Bulldog challenges Diesel for the WWF title. Remember, the winner of that match will face Bret Hart at the Survivor Series. So are you looking forward to In Your House? Uh, just, just listening to what you just said on paper... This pay-per-view looks like... Ooh, I'm in puberty still. <laughs> this this pay-per-view looks like it's going to be absolutely great. Uh, now, what's actually going to happen, I don't know. I've heard some rumors. I'll just let it play, and we'll see what we think about it. Yeah, so next week on the Planet Warfare podcast, it is an In Your House 4 Great White North exclusive episode, free-for-all and pay-per-view. In two weeks' time, it is going to be a exclusive raw versus nitro we are just covering raw and nitro next week or two weeks time so it'll be october the 23rd 1995 this is the go home show for halloween havoc 1995 wwf raw is going to have the fallout of in your house four and a 20-man battle royal the winner becomes the number one contender for the intercontinental title and the wwf women's title on the line alundra blaze against bertha fay on nitro double tag team action Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko against Eddie Guerrero and Alex Wright. And the total package, Lex Luger and Sting take on Harlem Heat. Are you looking forward to Nitro or Raw in two weeks? Nitro. <laughs> He's back uh, on the Nitro train. Anything Harlem Heat, always, always. Those two matches that you said, man, I am so psyched. So I'm, we've got, I'm thrilled. We've got two exciting jam-packed weeks coming up on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe, rate, and review. And also... Take a look at the YouTube page. There might be some extra videos up there. Wink, wink. 150 That's wildest right. crowd signs. And we thank you for joining us. We're glad you're coming along for the ride. Wade, this, it's only getting crazier from here. we got two pay-per-views coming up, and they are both something to see. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I guess. We, th we thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. And there's chaos backstage.